Okay, so this one's a little bit late, but it is, um, it's worth it. So I was lucky enough to get an interview with the chair of Republicans of Spokane County and GOP district leader in legislation district four, subdistrict 4B. Uh, her name is Beva Miles. And we just had a good long conversation educating me on the roles of local government and how it applies to government as a whole. So I, this is going to be part of a series, hopefully, if I can get some more interviews scheduled with her. <laughs> her time is a little easier to schedule than my own, but hopefully we can do something better in the future. But for now, this is it. The audio is a little bad because I'm not great with uh, Skype yet, but for now, this is, um, this is good enough for me and um, getting put out there. So I hope you enjoy. Welcome you to ING, where we try to learn something about everything. The where, when, what, why of the world and how I see it. I question everything because I'm no genius. Sounds great. Sounds great. Okay, it's starting. There it is. Uh, so I guess it says avoid legal snags by telling people you're being recorded. So you're being recorded. Um, Thank you. So I guess the first question that I have on my mind is the when we had our conversation last time, we talked about, I guess, the inverted pyramid. And that's where the citizen has basically the most power. And that leads up to the top at the very top of the pyramid is where government, as far as what we know, the top of power is there and they have, I guess, total control over everything that happens underneath. But the point at the bottom, as far as what I understand, you're gonna have to correct me if I'm wrong, which I think I am a little bit so far, but at the very bottom is the citizen and that's where all the power stems from. Am I correct in, in that saying that? I would actually say it's not an inverted pyramid, it's an actual pyramid. So if you take the wider part of the pyramid at the bottom, you have all of us that are registered to vote. Every citizen of the United States should be registered to vote, but we all have a say. That's how we get our say. So that's where you have the greatest number of people, of course, is going to be at the widest part of the pyramid at the bottom. The tip of the pyramid at the top would be the president of the United States. And I would suggest that there's even a little bit of a, a board or a scale that balances there because you have equal portions of government. So at the top, you have the Supreme Court, you have the House and Senate, which is Congress, and the president, equal powers. Okay, so it's not a true point. Like you said, it's just kind of a tilting because you have the president and then the rest of the offices of power. The president has veto power. So he's got the true point. But okay. everything he does can be undone or redone with an appropriate number of votes. So at the top is the president, but yes, our founders gave us a very clear picture of not having um, a dictator. 
we have equal powers in the um, in the Supreme Court and in the Congress. Makes sense. So then with that veto power, and I'm just going to bring in a little bit of current events into this so that way we have a little bit of um, reference point to talk about here. So mm-hmm. recently I listened to a clip of the Ben Shapiro podcast where he said that Joe Biden in his first week in office actually signed more executive orders than any president in history, if we look at it, really. He's up to 33, which is a strange number if you want to look at it in the conspiratorial sort of way. But he's up to 33. So my question is, in that case, he is the president. He is signing executive orders. But the House of Representatives or the Senate, if I'm correct, could veto that as well? Really, any of his executive orders? They could, but what we have right now, we're in a dangerous situation because we don't have a true balance of power in that we don't have a Republican um, Senate or House of Representatives. So whatever he does will be supported by both of those. The only thing that Republicans can do or individual persons now is to take it to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court could overrule and say it's not constitutional. But how long would that take? In the meantime, and I thought he was over 40 at this point, but Ben Shapiro will be speaking really, really strongly against the president's actions Mm -hmm. because to sign executive orders are supposed to be done under only very specific circumstances, not just willy nilly. Obama Mm -hmm. did a lot of them. uh, And I will say Trump did a lot of them. Nobody did as many as Biden. The whole point of Biden doing this is to overturn everything Trump's ever done. So not exactly the way government's supposed to work, but until it's challenged in the courts, it'll stand. And that makes sense. And I'm assuming that this is more what what I heard in the podcast that played the clip was that he should have actually just did a one fell swoop executive order that undid everything that Trump did. And that's perfectly easy to do in legal terms. I mean, from my perspective, surely an, an attorney would have a hard time writing that all out. But it's perfectly easy to do to just sign out all of the other ones and make them null and void. But, oh, but, oh, but, oh. yeah, you could do that. You sure could. But then if one little bit of that executive order is found to be unconstitutional, the whole order goes away oh. because it's all in one, remember? All right. Sense. So he chose to do each one individually. That way, each one individually has to come before the courts. And that would just extend the timeline just beyond Absolutely. comprehension. So you got to remember, you know, the uh, the TV show Survivor, mm-hmm. Outwit, Outlast, Outplay. Okay, okay. This is all strategy and politics. He could have done it all with one fell swoop and a signature, but then it could be thrown out with one fell swoop and a signature. That makes sense. It makes a lot more sense. It's... It, it's saving the executive orders for the next president that may want to overturn it because that takes a whole lot more time as well. I understand. Okay. And the Supreme Court while he's president because he'll be president for four years unless he dies <laughs> or, or is declared incompetent, which either way, but for four years now, he can string these things along through the courts. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So then I guess that leads me to the next question, which would be since the Senate and House of Representatives are both democratic rule essentially they're they're majority democrat how do we as citizens get them to be balanced out more and i'm not saying where it's more republican because right now i think i spoke to you on the phone about this i i'm more of a not even libertarian more unaffiliated than anything else i want to take an 
but completely outside of perspective. Now, I do side a little bit more with what the Republicans do, mostly because they have conservative tendencies, even though theirs can still have their own issues. I understand that. Sure. But what can we do as citizens to bring it more to a even the, the kind of stance that I'm trying to take where it's as unaffiliated as possible until absolutely necessary to choose Republican Democrat? What can we do? That is a fantastic question. And I appreciate the question because I don't think most people have a clue. And here's what you do. Once a person is elected, they're elected to serve all the people. So you have a majority rules or a democratic system, which means majority rules, right? Mm -hmm. So you have the majority, but the rights of the minority must always be taken into account. So when you're watching something on, uh, let's say, one of the uh, news shows, and they say so-and-so came in with a minority report. The reason is because they failed in the majority. The majority passed it. But the opinion of the minority must be taken into account because all people are represented. All people within the United States government have a say. So obviously, even with a minority report or someone coming in to give you the minority point of view, the majority rules, when you hear or when you see or when you are hear of and read Anything that a representative, and I'll use Maxine Waters because, in my opinion, she's particularly vile, (laughs) uh, you know, attack somebody in the restaurants, in the streets, you know, that's not the way we, we can't do things that way. And I don't care what party you are. We do not do things that way. But no, (laughs) it's gotten way more popular. Yeah. Um, But remember, I grew up in the 60s. This is nothing we haven't seen before. Read read your history books. We see this repeat itself with every two, second, third generation. So I have a great deal of faith in you because you're the younger generation. I've seen it before. Your parents lived through some of the best times in history, but now this world turns over to you. Yeah. So as you watch and as you see how we set up in this government, it's up to you to make those differences. So I kind of appreciate what you're doing with this podcast. So let's go back to what can you do? They are the representative of all people. Therefore, you need to be in touch with them. Every one of them has a local office and they have an office in either D.C. or at the state level, wherever they are. You're being in touch with them on a constant basis, especially if you represent a group of people, is the best thing you can do. Because what are they really the most afraid of? You garnering votes to get them out next time. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So they need to hear from you. I don't, I don't agree with you. I don't appreciate what you said. But please keep it civil. This is wrong. So on That's- that note. How would you get that message directly to said congressman, governor, uh, legislative leader? How would you get that note to them as not civil, uh, not the word? What's the best way to get it to them? Through email, through phone call, through written letter? What's the what's the best way? All of the above. But they all have local offices and they all have people that answer the phone. You call them and you talk to them. I could, I have never had a problem with that. I can pick and and yeah, I I grant you. I've been doing this a long time, so a lot of people know me. Okay. But I can pick up the phone and call anyone. I'll give you the congresswoman's uh, office as an example. Kathy McMorris Rogers represents the fifth congressional district. She has offices all over 
this side of Eastern Washington from Walla Walla all the way up to Colville, Spokane, pick up the phone and call them. They answer the phone. So and you said it was Kathy Wallace? Kathy McMorris. McMorris. Yeah, we call Kathy McMorris Yes, and she is our congressperson. She's a, uh, on the federal level. So she is in Washington, D.C. and was, in fact, there for the vote on the 6th when some very uh, uninformed people decided to act out. Yeah, yeah. Very infamous day. Yeah. No, that was more than a mistake. That was uh, stupidity on a high level. You can say you can use those words exactly. Yes, there's not. I wouldn't go as far as saying domestic terrorists. I think it was just stupidity. I'll say that. I, you know, um, because and we're going to get off into the weeds here if I go into stories, but because we've seen this happen in our local area so often, mm-hmm. and most people are just blissfully unaware of it, I'm going to say stupidity because they did not act uh, in ignorance. They knew what they were doing, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, if, if you're a parent and your child comes to you and says, I accidentally broke the lamp, you're a whole lot more lenient than they come and say, I got mad and I threw that sucker against the wall. Yeah, that's a good defining line. I like that. The blissful ignorance versus the willfully doing it. I like that. That's, a good that's, that's kind of what I saw was willful negligence. I don't know that I would call it domestic terrorism because it didn't look as much as like domestic terrorism as I think Portland did last summer. Yeah. But they're all wrong. So where do we draw that line? It was all it was all wrong. It was out of line. For sure. And I I think all the way around, you know, I don't want to get into it too far either. And saying that uh, domestic, I don't think we need to anyway. That's kind of off the point of this specific topic. So we can leave that for another one where it's just a complete rant against everything. Oh, I love that. Let's rant. No, right now you about building the pyramid of government from the bottom up and that was kind of where we were going to start um so you have the citizens okay the population then changes constantly because of migration because of birth uh, explosion or births not exploding Mm -hmm. whatever the reason you'll have populations changing and that's why you have a census every 10 years So based on that population, markers are drawn defining where specific numbers of people live. And so our legislative districts, precincts, all change every 10 years. Uh, Spokane Valley will be a really good example of how that's going to work because we've had an explosion of people moving in, right? So the precincts will become smaller geographically because there's more people living in those areas look at the apartments look at okay so as those change then that wide base at the bottom of people is going to be split into about i can't remember the exact number 1520 2000 voters in that area right will be split up to where it's equal amounts throughout. Maybe some precincts will be added, but then they'll be put into that area to define them. And they then elect a person within the party they choose. So it could be Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, whatever. Mm-hmm. But those people elect a representative. On the ballot, you'll usually only see Republican, Democrat because they're the only really active parties yeah. Sometimes you see independent or or libertarian or socialist, mm-hmm. but we'll use for the 
sake of our talk, Republican Democrat. Yeah. So you'll see a PCO, precinct committee officer, okay. elected to represent the people in each precinct. One, a, Dem a Democrat is elected by Democrats. Republican is elected by Republicans. So this is where things change, though. Okay, this is where it gets interesting because Washington state doesn't recognize you by party, right? So how can that be? This is the only time that you will see Republican Democrat on a Washington state ballot in voting for someone because of party. Now you'll see uh, your state representative might have in parentheses an R or a D or an I or prefers socialist or whatever. They can tell you what they prefer, but you don't get a ballot that's specifically for that party. Only when the PCO elections come up. Hmm. So your public public com committee officer, was that the one? Precinct. Precinct committee officer. Precinct and, committee officer. Yeah. And believe it or not, even though most people have never heard of that, they don't have no clue what that is. A super powerful position. They make a ton of decisions that affect you. So the precinct, the precinct committee officer is the one to make decisions that go to the electoral college, I'm assuming. Nope. Nope. The electoral college is only used in a presidential. Okay. So, and we're not even that far up the pyramid yet. We're still wow. on that bottom row, right? Very convoluted, but Yes, it's there. Well, it's actually the organizational structure is genius. It, it totally okay. is. They took a ton of people, broke them down, and then they took those areas, broke them down, and then they took other areas, broke them down until you get up to one person nationally. So our entire system of government is based on elections, which is why you hear all the screaming right now about election fraud without honest elections. We don't have the republic that we have or that we want. So that's why you hear all that screaming. You can argue whether it's viable arguments or not, but you're going to hear a lot about elections and election fraud for that very reason. You get to say who represents you. You get to direct them because we are a government of the people, for the people, by the people, per Abraham Lincoln. I didn't so make that up. Lincoln said it. No, for sure. And that's it's, it's one of the better quotes. It's one of the better ones. So I have a question because it's a bit of a tangent, but it kind of brings into play these people that have so much power, these uh, these committee officers that have some precinct committee officers that have so much power to make these decisions for the community in general. Let's say in the same way that the medical officers have come through and mandated masks with a specific set of science that they like to look at, which Albeit we'll leave that conversation for its own side because I've already made a rant on that. But I've already signed a sort of petition to, what was the word? I'll just use eject for this purpose, to eject our governor of Washington out of office to try and get a new one in place. Now, does that, does that apply as well to the, to the committee officers? It could, or, sure. Yeah. If you live in the area and what it's meant to do is have every we'll call it instead of a precinct, let's call it a neighborhood. OK, people within your neighborhood have the right to say who represents them, Democrat, Republican. Yes. Uh, so you get a Republican precinct committee officer 
that does something totally and completely aside from what you think our values and core values as Republicans are, Mm -hmm. you bet you can have an uprising. And the word you're looking for is recall. Recall, that's the word. You want to recall any person that's representing you that isn't. Okay. Okay. They may be elected, so I don't like them, but I can't do anything about it because they don't live in my neighborhood. They live in your neighborhood. You can recall them. So the reason why I brought that up would be with this whole conversation of election fraud or election meddling or anything to do with elections in general, let's say that even at the very base level of, well, very base level of the the committee officer, I keep forgetting the word precinct, committee officer, even at that level. Easy. I'm sorry. Just say PCO. That makes it easy. PCO. Okay, there we go. We'll just acronize it. So the PCO at that level, let's say that the election was hacked or there was fraud or really anything that you can use air quotes to to mention. In that way, you'd still be able to recall that person, the PCO or whoever, if you believe that it was fraudulent. And since most elections are done electronically now, if you went door to door with a petition board, there's no way to make that fraudulent as far as we can we can go now because that's a lot of work door-to-door signing signing but if everyone's as adamant as as you are at recalling this said person well then it should be easy enough am i correct in assuming that the chances are they won't even know the Mm. chances are that just like um you kind of alluded to the fact that the word precinct doesn't come off your tongue real easy Mm. most people don't even know what precinct they live in They don't know who the representatives are. They don't know how the system works. So the chances are that if that person did something so egregious, and I could give an example of um, going to, uh, when you get all the precinct committee officers together, that's called the central committee. So let's say you have a central committee meeting, and this person acted out in such a way as to cause a huge rip and did something totally egregious i can't get rid of that person because he's elected by you and the chances are you won't even know he did it so legitimately speaking we don't have people within our neighborhoods that are invested in being a part of their government So they get their news from whatever channel they watch, and they probably aren't watching a balanced portion of the news. So their ideas and their information might be in error, and they still don't even know what's going on in their own backyard. And that's the idea of a precinct, your neighborhood and the person that's elected. I can't change D.C., okay? I I wish I could, but I can't change Washington, D.C., But I can clean up my own backyard. So I know what's going on in my precinct. I know who's representing me. And trust me, she hears from me. Okay. No, yeah, that's that's all that, as as far as I can say, that's all that really you can do. Like you said, you can clean up your own backyard. And Mm -hmm. it reminds me of an analogy that I've watched a lot of Jordan Peterson. And he mentioned a book that he read where uh, one of the protagonist in the story was a, a woman who went to a cocktail party to get some free advice from a therapist and she walked up to the therapist and just blurted out i wish there was something wrong with me and the therapist says why why would you want something to be wrong with you what's the matter and she says well if there's something wrong with me then i can change it but if there's something wrong with everyone else well, i can't do 
a gosh darn thing. So the point is. Yeah, that's, you, that's a very interesting. Uh, hmm, okay, that would be a discussion all by itself, that analogy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you clean up your own backyard, and then if if there is any change that could be made, you've already done it. And if there's nothing else that you can do, well, at least you've done your part. And then. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Just so when we talk about white supremacy, for instance. Okay. Okay. And it's huge in Spokane County, which is where I focus my attention. Okay. White supremacy is much more prevalent than people want to admit. Okay. Now, no, I'm not for, I mean, I hate to bring this up, but I think all lives matter. I don't want to look at the color. I don't, I really don't. I have know some of the most amazing women and I know some of the most amazing men and I know them from every genetic background. Right. Yeah. So I don't want to look at that. But when you parcel out just the Jewish people, just the dark skinned people and you realize that it's much more prevalent in your backyard than it is almost anywhere in the nation. Do you know who is doing this? Do you know why they're doing it? Do you know what the consequences are of them doing it? Probably not. So you need to do some very serious searching to figure out why your neighbor's afraid of driving over the state line. How do you approach that? You look at who's elected in your area. Are they part of that? Can you tell me, has that person interacted with those people? I will tell you without naming names that in Spokane County, your, some of your electeds not only are a part of it, but have reinforced it. Wow, that sounds, I thought you were just going to allude to it, and then you came out and said it. Some people are part of that. and that Absolutely. I yeah, I haven't looked into it. Now, I, I understand that there's a, a prevalence of it, and I, I work as a framer, so I work with a bunch of roughnecks. So a uh, few of them had already gone to prison, and they came back. But they're in, intellectuals. They do a whole lot of reading in prison. They're a, whole, they're a good bunch of guys, I'll say that. But Absolutely. they know a whole lot of the slang from the white supremacists. And one of them, it's such a strange code, but one of the, the slang codes that, that they mentioned was a greeting they'll, they'll use is 88. And it's like, well, what, what does that mean? What's 88? And I guess eight is the eighth letter of the alphabet. And the eighth letter of the alphabet is an H. And two H's stands for Heil Hitler. And it's like, well, wow, you went, that was a stretch. But it's just one of those things you have to figure it out. You're like, well, where'd you learn that from? And it's just from their time in incarceration. And I guess they've spent enough time with a bunch of other white supremacists that they'll just, it'll just pass around. And then you hear it here or there on the job site. And you're like, hmm, is it a joke or? Well, in prison, there is a gang system just for survival. Hmm. So there may be gangs of Hispanics, gangs of uh, black people from a certain region or gangs of white people that are white supremacists. Mm -hmm. It's when in the real world, I'll call it, and my husband is a contractor, by the way. So some of the best workers we have ever had were on day leave from one of the local uh, jails and they are fabulous. They just wanted out for the day. Yeah. They'll do whatever. They work hard. They're, you know they're not drunk or stoned. So yeah, I'm telling you, let's let's not disparage anyone who's done time because there's some amazing intellectuals in the in that position. Yes, yeah. and hopefully they've done their time and they're ready to re-enter society. Yeah. If, however, they bring those codes with them and they act on it, now you'll have you'll have a black on black fight, and one will call the other the n-word, and that's not okay for me, right? Yeah. 
but they do it because it's a part of the culture that they are living in. I'm not getting in the middle of that. What I'm more concerned about are the kind of people that we have organizing rallies, talking to people who do speak in code, who do work uh, in our local, um, I'm going to call it militia-oriented mindset, who literally, literally want war. Are you okay with that? Even though you're maybe conservative, libertarian-minded, I'm definitely conservative and I bleed red, so I'm Republican to the core. I'm not okay with that. So, again, that comes back to that wide base of the pyramid we're talking about. And people can talk on Facebook all they want about what their belief system is and how terrible it is that we have people that act this way. But you get your vote in to make that difference. How many people know who their precinct committee officer is? Is he a part of that group? There are a few. Yes, sir. There are. Okay. So then we've we've followed a rabbit down a very interesting trail, and I like it. I do because it really opens up. Back. <laughs> no, no, I like it because it actually it it hide it uncovers what's been hiding, and there is an ugly face hiding over there, which is something that you don't want to admit that mainstream media is correct in saying that oh white supremacy is the biggest problem and it is a big one and there's plenty of other big ones and like you're saying it's a major problem especially here where some of our precinct officers have not only partaken in it but they're encouraging it you know so it's kind of like okay where do you say that mainstream media is correct and where do you say what can you do about it and you you mentioned you can say whatever you want on facebook whatever you believe in your heart of hearts but that doesn't do much you can however you can however within our system have your say and i'll tell you how close it is i looked at the third legislative district statistics now the third legislative district encompasses the entire city of spokane okay very liberal area tends to vote democrat we feel like, oh my gosh, it's lost. We're never going to get a conservative in there. Oh my gosh. But then you look at the numbers. We had a wonderful candidate, a viable candidate, go into the third to run for, uh, I believe he's run for both Republican and Senate. He's run twice now. And we can't figure out what's the problem? What's the problem, right? So I went in and I looked precinct, get that word, precinct or neighborhood by neighborhood. You had about a thousand people in each precinct actually vote. The numbers came in like 435 to 480. What does that tell you? He lost by what? Like 50 votes. Now you look at the next column, which is under votes. And that means people looked at their ballot and they didn't know who the Democrat was. They didn't know who the Republican was. So they just didn't circle. They didn't fill in the circle. Because they didn't know that's called an undervote when you don't vote. So had we done our jobs as Republicans and made sure that all of those people knew who our candidate was, guess what? We would have won in every one of those precincts. Wow. That's how powerful a precinct is. Neighborhood by neighborhood, person by person. Hmm. Okay, so then. Let's say that 
whether it's this podcast, whether it's really anyone, because we can turn people on to any podcast that are more politically minded, that take as much of a neutral stance as possible. Now, that's what I'm trying to do with this. And I understand I've already bled out a bunch of <laughs> just conservative mindset. I get that. You and, know, but what we're saying really does apply to both parties. And it should. It should, because we're not talking necessarily. Or go ahead. It, it replies to all of us. Yeah. Anyone over the age of 18 that can register to vote. We're not talking about something that's specific to conservatives, although we're applying conservative mindset to it. You can swap out all of our conservative words and use something that's Absolutely. more liberal. And it still applies because we're talking about electing the, P the PCO. <laughs> there you go. Got it. There you go. There we go. We're it's talking about that. And I guess the next step, because... We're already 30 minutes into this, and I, I enjoy the conversation a lot because we can find all these rabbit holes that we can go down to try and cement this into at least my memory a little bit better. I want to go one step further and ask, because we can, we can have this conversation next week or even sometime this, this week. I'd like to continue on until we get a firm grasp, at least me, until I get a firm grasp on what exactly my role is and how exactly I can go about doing things. Because every tutorial I find online for anything, from drawing to framing to anything, it comes at it from a, a knowledge base that's already way higher than your own. So I want to start from the very base and then move up. Now, the next step that I'm hoping that we can get into this is after the PCO is elected, after that person is put into office, what after that can we do as citizens? Do we monitor their actions? Do we continually write in? Because that's obviously something we can do. We can say, hey, I don't like what you did in this current legislative action that you took. What's the next step for citizens? Because as soon as it sounds like as soon as we're done getting the PCO in office, it's kind of hands off and we see what happens until something really hits us. Oh, no, that's where it starts to get real interesting. Because now you've taken all of those people that are at the base of that triangle and you've divided them up into equal portions. Okay. So then I have equal portions of people that live in a certain area, all those neighborhoods that are precincts together. And we've created now a legislative district. So from all of those neighbors and all of those precincts, so we have, let's call them baby food jars with all the little pins in them, okay? okay? Now we have them all together, and we've split them all up. Now we have a legislative district, and that's where we get our representatives at the state level. By your vote there, now you're voting for your state representatives. You get two state representatives and a senator from every single legislative district. Wow. So if you're involved in the basic, um structure of the party you also now are involved with that legislative district leader and elected representatives and senate who represent you so let's say you're not real happy right now with our governor which you're not because you just signed something to try to impeach him and recall him or whichever i'm not sure which you signed recall so if you looked at our state structure of senate house and governor, who controls our Senate and House? Democrats. So again, we have no balance of power. Everything that we try to do, we're going to have to do at that lower base of the pyramid, getting those signatures, 
getting people to their elected leaders to say, I don't care what party you are, this guy is a goon. I want him gone. And you have to force them then. But keep in mind, the majority will always rule, and they were elected by the majority. You as the minority, now we're at war with each other, right? This is where the politics starts to play. And we all want more people on our side than they have. Mm -hmm. And so we can get the votes. And so we whip votes just like they do at the national level to see if we can get people back in place. And you're going to see a lot of that going on currently. A lot. Okay. So what I'd like to to expand on would be when we get to the governor and representative and the Senate side of the state and how that's broken down. Let's say that I signed my petition to recall governor, the governor. And okay, so I, I've signed my petition to, to recall Governor Inslee, and I want to say you're now getting out. I believe that this petition is going to make a difference. But since we have a Democrat majority, would I then have to convince everyone that is Democrat in those majorities of of representatives and Senate to say? we want him out or does it just all the petitions apply and they are forced to comply with these petitions? They make it as hard on you as they possibly can. But always, 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 while we're building this pyramid of power and how we're broken down and how we're represented, always remember that we are of the people, for the people, by the people. And you find them on the bottom line, the base of that pyramid. It cannot topple as long as we have people involved. So the sheer number of signatures will get you hurt. That's that's basic politics. Now, there's a great, great example. I know you have to go, but I'm going to give you a great example. In um, the, the huge, huge backlash for sex education in the schools, mm-hmm. some of the material that was put out there was nothing short of soft porn for children. It was horrid, and I'm a grandma, so I'm just going to tell you, it was beyond anything I wanted to see, and I've lived a long time. So I I don't think that we need to show certain things to seven-year-olds, right? So there was a huge backlash. They collected over three times the number of signatures needed, got it through to almost get it back on the ballot, and it was killed. Okay? Because uh, the state legislature would not bring it up for a vote. It died in committee, I believe. I'll have to look at the details on that. But do you think those legislators heard from the people? Of course they did. Will they try to change that? Remember that your school board makes a lot of these decisions. Our local school board, again, is our backyard. Mm -hmm. Who are we voting for? On Tuesday, the ballots have to be in for the levy. Let's see if that passes or fails. The legislature denied us the privilege of re-looking at the sex ed ballot. Mm-hmm. We lost at we lost in November uh, when we ran a really solid candidate against the person that's the head of education for Washington State. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of parents that think it's absolutely necessary, but do we have enough parents? Now we'll hit them in the pocketbook. Now let's see how voters work. 
if they deny the levy, the schools will not have what they need to function. So if the schools don't have what they need to function, because I actually did receive that in the mail myself. Now, both of my sons are actually too young to even go to preschool. But um, this is something that's on my mind. I've always been of the opinion that homeschooling is better. I've been homeschooled for 13 years of my life, which for better or worse, I turned out how I did. Um, so, and I, I, when I'm looking at it as homeschooling for my sons, I don't think of it as, well, I'm going to do better just because they're not in that institution. It's more like, I'd like to introduce them to certain things at a time that I feel is necessary versus a time that's just kind of forced on them. Like you said, seven-year-old, it doesn't seem very productive, if anything else, uh, for lack of any other term that you want to use. But I did receive that in the mail. And I wasn't even sure what I was voting for. And that's something that I actually did want to bring up. This levy that's going to be going on to the school, the information that I read was a little bit more legalese than I'd like to, to, to say. It was just too much that I couldn't understand on that ballot. What exactly was that for? And how will that impact the schools moving forward? Because who knows, maybe I would like to send them to school and get a break once in a while. Maybe I would like to. The schools actually, according to what I've researched, have the money to operate. Normally, a levy is a continuation of operating budgets. This is over twice the amount of money they need. And it's to put in new office-type workers and assistants at a very high level. So by not passing this, the question you have to ask yourself, am I hurting my child? I don't believe we are. I am not in favor of the levy. I'm going to vote no. Does that make me against children? Oh, my gosh, no. Um, I've got four of my own and eight grandchildren that are all from preschool to college. I want them to use that money in a very um, responsible way. And I don't think that's been happening. And I certainly don't agree with some of the policies or that we have a school board member that made a statement to abolish the Constitution. I am not in favor of any of that but you know how she got elected people who didn't uh, there you yeah. go that bottom line those those people that are on the base of that pyramid didn't look into who she was or what her thought processes would be okay i mean that makes a whole lot more sense always uh, back to us as individuals every time well it, it reminds me and i'll make this a last point because we have been going a decent amount of time i would i wouldn't mind to go longer but i do have to go it reminds me of a gentleman I knew. Now, I worked in water restoration for a while, uh, so any water damage, you'd go in and take care of it. And there was a gentleman that I worked with a while ago. His name was Ryan. And man, this guy could work. And this guy was just a go-getter, just an entrepreneur if you ever knew one. But he had a second-grade education. He didn't know how to read, so his wife did all of that for him. But he is now wealthier than even my brother-in-laws, who they own their own companies. And it's just because he had that go-getter attitude. Now, I'm not saying that everyone put in his position, <clears throat> excuse me, would would achieve the same level of success that he did. But what I'm what I want to say is that I don't believe that it's absolutely necessary to teach every single thing that is being taught in these schools. And I think that I think that like you said, with the administration that would come through with this levy, it would more it would benefit more the administration than it would the students as a whole, because we see that in the in the medical industry as it is right now, you see an uptick, massive uptick in administrative jobs versus doctors and nurses. 
And the pay scale has stayed the same for doctors and nurses, but the pay scale has blew through the roof with the administration. And I think this might be just a way for, I guess, cronyism to jump in as, as well as in the school system as it did in the medical system, where I got a friend who wants a job that is solid pay with relatively minor work. Here's a job for you and we'll pay for it with taxpayer money. I feel like now that's just the conspiracy side of me, because like I said, I'm still being educated. But it just seems like that's the only solid answer that I can give. I don't know if you, you agree. Know, we, or... give, we give the opportunity for people to be dishonest. They'll usually take you up on it. It makes sense. By the other side, when you give the opportunity for fair play, they'll usually take you up on it. Makes sense. It's how we put it out there. It's where we, the people, that bottom line of the pyramid, act. And if only a tenth, one out of every 10 of us actually knows what's going on. And I want to do this before you go. I'm going to refer everyone that's listening to a nonpartisan think tank called Washington Policy Center. They do the down and dirty research. So if you want to know about the sex ed package or you want to know about levies, you go in and you read what their research shows and you're probably going to get a pretty reasonable education on it from factual information. So Washington Policy Center, and it's it's a fabulous place to, uh, that's where I learn things because they're a trusted resource for me. So be sure we talk again and we build that pyramid up so you understand how you're going to be able as, I'm always going to drop you back to that base though. Yeah. We the people. And if we the people are not willing to act, then we lose. I mean, it's, it makes sense from just an, a pure understanding level of it. If you don't participate, you're gonna you're gonna lose. It's what was another saying that just came to my head. If you aim at nothing, you're gonna hit nothing 100% of the time. So it just it makes sense. Um, well, if you're more interested in so many people just want to pay the mortgage, get the kids, you know, dressed every morning and fed, and they're busy with their lives and soccer practice and all of that. But your priorities, your priorities, and in my case. Uh, it's God, family, nation. And if you don't pay attention, those dishonest people will sneak up on you. And I don't care what party you're looking at. They're there. No. Yeah. You're going to find dishonest people on both sides, on every side. Everybody has a little bit of dishonesty in them. I do. You do. Everyone does. And it's just where do you allow the dishonesty to affect other people? And I, I wish I could say that there were. Um, there was a very high degree of morality out there in this day and age, but instead there's a high degree of excuse making and justification. So, again, we the people have that opportunity and we need to act on it and we need to be responsible about it. I agree. I agree. Well, I think that's a great place to leave it. So I'll let you go and uh, we'll talk again probably I, next I mean, week. If that works. Again, this is fun. It may it challenges me. I got to think of stuff. <laughs> challenges me too. I need to get a pad and pen so I can actually write this out and sketch out my little pyramid. Yeah, PCO. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Thanks I'll let you go, time. Beva. Thank you for the call. All right, bye bye. To my podcast, give me five stars.